a crucial point in countering China. The Pentagon's chief warning that today's actions will decide the next generation's future. Anti-lockdown protests in China now spreading to Wuhan. Hundreds of people taking to the streets, tearing down COVID-19 control barricades. And other cities loosening COVID-19 curbs, removing virus testing booths. But the Chinese regime still showing no signs of canceling its zero COVID-19 policy. Beijing activating its highest emergency response level censorship following the start of mass protests across China. Plus, certain Western tech companies may be cooperating. And the UK says no to a Chinese super embassy in London. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The U.S. is at a critical point in countering China. That's according to the head of the Pentagon. He said the situation is so critical that it would determine who gets to call the shots of the global order and in turn determine the kind of world that the next generation of Americans live in. Entity's Juliet Song has more on that. A stern warning about the China threat coming from the head of the Pentagon. And these next few years will set the terms of our com competition with the People's Republic of China. And they will shape the future of security in Europe, and they will determine whether our children and grandchildren inherit an open world of rules and rights, or whether they face emboldened autocrats who seek to dominate by force and fear. Speaking at the Reagan National Defense Forum, Austin said China is the only country that has both the will and the power to reshape the international order. So let me be clear. We will not let that happen. The comment appears to mark a shift in Austin's tone about China. Here's Austin's reaction just a year ago to the news that Beijing tested a hypersonic weapon that could pose a nuclear threat to the U.S. You've heard me say a number of times that uh, China is my pacing challenge, and we're going to remain focused on that. And his latest warning comes right after a rollout of America's newest nuclear stealth bomber. Ladies and gentlemen, our nation's B-21 Raider is designed to compete with Beijing's growing nuclear capabilities. And let's talk about what the B-21 can deliver. The Raider is designed to deliver both conventional and nuclear munitions with formidable precision. Because of its long range and mid-air refueling capabilities, it can deliver nuclear weapons around the world. This comes as Beijing has been stockpiling nuclear warheads at a speed faster than the Pentagon's projection. A report from the Department of the Defense said China has over 400 warheads. Austin said the Pentagon is aligning its budget as never before to the China challenge. Juliet Song, NTD News. China's anti-lockdown protests reaching a fever pitch in the central city of Wuhan. The Chinese city is believed to be the original epicenter of the COVID-19 pandemic. Videos online show protesters tearing down metal barricades on Friday. The crowd cheering as they gain access to areas sealed off by authorities. Videos also captured protesters overturning COVID-19 testing tents. Footage related to the protest was quickly censored online. Over the weekend, a large-scale protest also broke out at Wuhan University. 
Students there reportedly demanded that they be allowed to return to their hometowns without restrictions. There has been a surge in virus infection cases in Wuhan recently. Due to local strict lockdown rules, students have complained about disruptions to the living environment, saying they can't get food deliveries and that some dormitory buildings lack hot water and supplies. They appealed to school officials without results. With protests ongoing in Wuhan, over in Beijing, COVID-19 testing booths have been removed. And in southern China's Shenzhen city, authorities said they would no longer require commuters to present test results to travel. But many other restrictions are still in place. Here's more. This video showing workers in Beijing removing a testing booth went viral on Chinese social media on Friday. Although daily cases in the country are near all-time highs, some cities are taking steps to loosen COVID testing requirements and quarantine rules. China looks to make its zero-COVID policy more targeted amid a sharp economic slowdown and public frustration that has boiled over into unrest. Many testing booths in Beijing have been shut as the capital stops demanding negative test results as a condition to enter places such as supermarkets. The city is also planning to do so for subways from Monday. However, many other venues, including offices, still require testing. At some of the remaining booths on Saturday, residents like Zhu grumbled about hour-long queues for the tests. The line went from one end of the street to the other. We walked for seven or eight minutes to get to the end of the line. The southern city of Shenzhen announced it would no longer require people to show a negative COVID test result to use public transport or enter parks, following similar moves by Chengdu and Tianjin. Despite the slight easing, these changes don't indicate the Chinese Communist Party plans to end its strict zero COVID-19 policy. Multiple cities in China are currently investing millions to build new, large-scale quarantine centers. China has activated its highest emergency response level censorship response. That's according to a leaked notice. It was reportedly issued following a November meeting at the Cyberspace Administration of China. There, officials ordered online platforms to initiate level one internet emergency response. China's censorship apparatus is called the Great Firewall. It blocks access to almost all foreign news and social media and blacklists keywords that are considered politically sensitive to the Chinese Communist Party's rule. On the technology front, certain Western high-tech companies are also cooperating with Beijing. Apple Computers appears to be one of them. Apple made changes to its file-sharing airdrop feature in China last month, reducing it to 10 minutes for people not on a user's contact list. Previously, there was no limit. Protesters have been using the tool to get around the country's online censorship and share information and media discreetly. The change only affected Apple users in China, after people started passing around materials critical of the communist regime and its leader Xi Jinping. Apple has been criticized in the past for bowing to the Chinese communist regime and altering features. The company removed the Taiwan flag emoji for Hong Kong and Macau users in 2019. The company also took down virtual private network apps, or VPNs, from its app store for users in China. 
It's been a week since a deadly fire in Ramchi, China, killed more than 40 people. Widespread protests ignited in and outside of the country. Now the Chinese Communist Party is seeking out demonstrators and arresting them. Meanwhile, people overseas continue to show their support. Here's a closer look. The desire for freedom is hard to destroy. More than 300 people gathered at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Saturday in solidarity with protesters in China. At Penn State University, around 50 students came together in a concert for democracy. As a young generation, the future is belong to us. I know it's horrible, it's scary, but we have to stand up for ourselves. You, you don't have anyone else. You got to stand up for yourself. And, and trust me, you're not alone. There is people uh, out there wanting to, you know, fight for our liberty, fight for the people back at home. We are, we are, we're all in this together, so. A student from Hong Kong says he has been waiting for this day for about three years, ever since the 2019 protests in Hong Kong. I'm really happy to see that people in China are finally having the courage to rise up, to stand against the Chinese Communist Party, and just like Hong Kongers did three years ago. So I hope to, uh, I hope to support them in their fight for freedom, and together, I believe we can bring down the Chinese Communist Party. Another protest in Boston saw a person from mainland China threatening to shoot the organizer of the event. He was arrested by police and later released. This was the fourth rally in a week in the Boston area, showing support for the white paper revolution and those protesting in mainland China. Hundreds in Canada gathered in Toronto and Montreal. In Montreal, a student from McGill University says he used to be pro-government, but after seeing what's been happening in China for the past few years, he's changed his mind. He said although he used to interfere or disrupt activities that supported the resistance in Hong Kong, he has since realized the evil of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, and is now standing on the right side. One organizer says the zero-COVID policy is not the only disaster created by the Chinese Communist Party. And if the Communist Party does not step down, there will be one disaster after another. She encourages all Chinese people to stand up and says only the Chinese people can overthrow the CCP. I feel there's hope for the Chinese people. There's hope for China. The protests for freedom continue in New York, Los Angeles, Sydney and other areas around the world. Next, we turn to Beijing's vaccine policy. Western-made COVID-19 vaccines aren't likely to reach China's 1.4 billion citizens anytime soon. That's as U.S. Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines said Communist leader Xi Jinping is, quote, unwilling to take a better vaccine from the West. Recently, China's daily COVID-19 cases have jumped to near all-time highs on top of economic slowdowns and public unrest. Earlier this week, the White House said China had not requested vaccines from the U.S. One U.S. official called Beijing's decision a matter of national pride, adding that, quote, they'd have to swallow quite a bit of it if they went this route. Large-scale vaccination is considered one of the preconditions for a country to achieve living with the virus in low controlled numbers. As Beijing loosens pandemic controls following mass protests, it seems to be facing another challenge. Money is running out for local governments under the Chinese Communist Party, charged with mass virus testing and enforcing quarantines. 
That means they could be forced to cut corners or reduce other vital services. Experts say China's financial stability risks will increase if its stringent COVID-19 rules persist. According to data from China's Ministry of Finance, local governments spent nearly $2 trillion, more than they raised in revenue between January and October. Increasing government debt threatens China's economy, while municipalities risk losing the ability to stimulate growth, stabilize employment and default on their debts. The U.S. is designating certain nations, including China, countries of particular concern. According to Washington, countries that make the list have violated religious freedom on a systematic and ongoing basis. Other countries on the list include Iran, Russia, North Korea and Burma or Myanmar. The U.S. Secretary of State is required to select violator nations each year. A law called the Religious Freedom Act gives the secretary the power to use policy in response to those nations, like sanctions or waivers. Though being added to the list does not automatically trigger those responses. In a statement, Blinken said governments around the world jail and even kill individuals on account of their beliefs. He added the U.S. would not stand by in the face of these abuses. The U.S. has expressed concerns about Beijing's rights abuses against the Uyghur minority in the Xinjiang region. Washington has accused Beijing of committing genocide against Uyghurs. China also continues to suppress other groups, such as Tibetans, House Christians and Falun Gong practitioners. Britain is saying no to a bigger Chinese embassy. London councillors unanimously rejected plans for the Chinese embassy to move to a historic site near the Tower of London last week. They cited concerns over security, the impact on heritage and tourism. NDD's Jane Wirrell has more. Chinese authorities bought the former Royal Mint site in 2018 and wanted to develop the five-acre site into a large Chinese embassy. It's opposite Tower Bridge and the Tower of London. The plans included partial demolition of grade two listed buildings and additional CCTV cameras around the site, costing more than £220,000. Councillors were advised to give the go-ahead to the application, but rejected it. All those against? Founder of Hong Kongers in Britain and Tower Hamlets resident Simon Cheng raised safety concerns over the surveillance plans. Here's what he said after the vote. Because every time when I walk by the Royal Ming Court, it really like a fortress. And is, it, it, if you can imagine, if that's, you know, the uh, Chinese Communist Party regime move in and is really, really intimidating because what they're monitoring is the Tower of London and the Tower Bridge. Councillor Peter Golds raised issues around the heritage of the site. He said it's not the place for an embassy. We cannot have this, this ridiculous complex there that will potentially damage one of the greatest sites in the world. The Tower of London, Tower Bridge, they're iconic of London. You can't have people going there as tourists and every time they get off their coaches or get out of, get out of the tube station, all they're going to see is a collection of demonstrators. This was a fantastic example of people power and I'm delighted at the councillors and our colleagues who did it. And well done to them. This decision comes amid protests springing up across China and the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, saying the so-called golden era of relations between the UK and China were over. 
Coming up, where will China's protests against COVID-19 restrictions lead? Under a communist regime that has stayed largely unwilling to admit wrongdoing. All of the COVID quarantine villages that have been created can easily be used to quarantine demonstrators. Today, with China's facial recognition and the ubiquitous video footage that was there, it's going to be pretty hard for anyone that was brave enough to demonstrate to escape scrutiny. Is Beijing ready for a repeat of the 1989 Tiananmen Massacre? And how can people outside China help freedom-loving Chinese citizens? We spoke to Steve Yates, China Policy Initiative Chair of the America First Policy Institute for Insight. Hear his take in just a minute, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. With protests unrelenting, China is staring down a nationwide push for change. The setting in today's China is much different than that in 1989, when the Tiananmen massacre shocked the world. Is the Chinese Communist Party ready to take the same action it used then? We spoke to Steve Yates, China Policy Initiative Chair of the America First Policy Institute, to find out more. I think you were talking about change, right? And it, we're seeing a lot of protests across China right now, which we haven't seen, at least not since the 1989 Tiananmen Square protests. Um, and hopefully it's not the same result as that time. But with these protests, why do you see the Chinese regime unwilling to stop the zero COVID policy? Well, uh, I think, number one, it was so tied to the leadership and the Chinese leadership uh, not unique in the world, but maybe more extreme than the rest of the world, is incapable of admitting mistake. Uh, and uh, you know, so we saw those demonstrations. The demonstrators saw those demonstrations. But we don't know what people across China ended up really seeing, how much of that they witnessed for themselves, whether they knew that it was nationwide, not just localized to them. Uh, and we still see the Chinese government manipulating the conversation about it. Just recently we had uh, an international journalist ask the foreign ministry spokesman uh, that uh, noting that there had been widespread uh, criticism and discontent aimed at the COVID zero policy, would the government be changing that or li lifting that policy, and if so, when. And the, the spokesman literally shuffled pace papers for an uncomfortable period of time, turned to the side and asked his colleague to, in Mandarin to have the, the person ask the question again. The person asked it again very slowly and clearly, and he once again shuffled his papers for an uncomfortable period of time, and then just popped off that this uh, the situation that was mentioned does not com comport with the facts, and that was the end of conversation. So the government isn't even willing to talk about the existence of the demonstrations. Uh, so it seems to be engaging in a post-Tiananmen Square tried-and-true method of if you don't allow people to see evil or heal evil, then the evil didn't happen. 
And so they, I think they're using their tools of communication, control, propaganda, manipulation to control their population more broadly. And they don't really care what the rest of the world thinks. Uh, and uh, so in that context, I don't know that they would even consider changing those policies. Uh, those policies are dual use, by the way. All of the COVID quarantine villages that have been created can easily be used to quarantine demonstrators as much as they could quarantine people who allegedly had contact with someone who tested positive for COVID. And so the duality of the COVID experience, not really being a health and science project, but one of political control, is again being manifest in the People's Republic of China experience. So I, I, I fear that that's what we're seeing. It's definitely true that the scale uh, of these demonstrations and the spread across the country is something that at least I have not seen since the, the, the uprisings of 1989. Um, but the demonstrators are different now. The perpetrators of the, the, the crackdown are different now too. Uh, Beijing doesn't want to give the world another tank man moment. They don't want to give the world another scene of wretched carnage and twisted bicycles and humans across Tiananmen Square. They would rather have whatever their crackdown is going to be largely out of view of the international press so they can continue to control the narrative and control their people. And the demonstrators have seemed to have learned that they can push so far, but then they can pull back before the tanks have to come in. And so we've seen the streets that were filled a couple of days ago now empty and barricaded. And it's unclear. Are the demonstrations going to come back and in what form? So uh, we are in the only one stage of a drama that's clearly larger than COVID clearly larger than a one-off demonstration, but we don't know yet how the Chinese people are going to finish writing this narrative. Uh, I want to believe that they're not going to forget what was said and what was done, and I think there's reason for that faith, but I don't know yet whether a large-scale crackdown is coming, whether large numbers of people are going to disappear for what period of time, uh, clearly, technology is now used where, in 1989, you could walk away from the square and maybe disappear into anonymity. Today, with China's facial recognition and the ubiquitous video footage that was there, it's going to be pretty hard for anyone that was brave enough to demonstrate to escape uh, scrutiny. Uh, so, I, you know, at now I sort of feel like we're at an awkward moment of seeing, does this continue to crescendo? Does this decrescendo or does this just sort of keep an even slow murmur uh, that keeps pressure on the regime but doesn't really topple the regime? If Russia deserved massive uh, criticism and sanction for invading Ukraine uh, led to human suffering, more suffering is occurring in China today because of these policies, and it deserves no less of that isolation, sanction, and penalty. So uh, I hope that we can at least precondition the so-called free world 
if there's a crackdown like happened at Tiananmen, that a similarly forceful price will be paid, and that this time the Communist Party of China will not be excused and allowed to come back into the mainstream. And Steve, any last words? Well, mostly I think that it's incredibly important for all of us that operate outside of government to continue to push for creative and free expression, to push for accountability and transparency in government, uh, and to engage more parts of our culture and our society in these major topics. Ultimately, the direction the world is going is not going to be not going to be accomplished by electing one person or one party in one country. It's going to be because a larger, more powerful social awakening and movement is underway that leaders can't ignore but must ride the wave. And the more we can do that in America and other parts of the world with regard to our own goodness and the evil of the Communist Party of China, the more hope we can have for a future that's good for us, but also for the Chinese people. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.